News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Guys, it's episode 66 of the Luke Macias Show. We are bringing the gang back together with a fantastic conversation between Jonathan Stickland and Matt Rinaldi about what the heck is happening in Texas. I'm not going to take a lot of time to describe this. I think you're going to have a fantastic time listening to it. Uh, I'll get you directly to the show. Thanks, guys. So the last time we were here, we were discussing our fear of the Second Amendment being thrown out the window. And now we live in what seems like a post-apocalyptic world with Matt Rinaldi in his gas mask. And I can't figure out if he's just worried about germs or if he's trying to hide that haircut. It's my hair. It's the haircut? It's my hair. It's not COVID-related. It takes people away from the haircut, and they look at the gas mask. I don't so, want them focusing on this. Yeah, truth be told, this is actually my second time out in public since everything's been going on. Um, but with that being said, that's a personal decision that we make. Mm-hmm. But I am absolutely terrified of what has happened, not just in this country. You'd expect it in places like California, New York City, or whatever. But Texas has changed dramatically just in the last couple of months. I'm yeah. pretty ter- terrified of it. Yeah, as well you should be, and as well am I. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think... When we look back on this a year from now, we are going to uh, we're going to remember being afraid of of the virus and, and and the uncertainty. But I think more so, we're going to look back at the decision to lock down an entire economy as one of the most disastrous public policy decisions that we've ever made in this country's history. Yeah, and and so last time we were talking about the Second Amendment and. Uh, our lieutenant governor and some people were talking about some really bad policies, but now we're literally living some of these things. And, you know, even today, the change in what's going on, we have orders come out that put someone like Shelly Luther, who owns a small hair salon, she gets sent to prison for seven days for cutting hair, $7,000 fine. Then we get all this hocus pocus political games being played by our statewide elected officials who are saying, oh, they should release her. Well, why don't you make them release her? What's going on? Oh, well, it's not my fault. And then the next day, this morning, we have Governor Abbott come out and basically admit, yeah, my previous executive order put her in jail, but we didn't mean to do that, so we're going to change the order. And then a couple of minutes later, Supreme Court comes out and says, well, if he hadn't changed that order, we would have struck it down as unconstitutional. Here's the problem, Matt. None of the elected Republican leaders in this state seem to have a plan. There's absolutely no leadership. Yep. And that has given way, in my opinion, to tyranny coming over and destroying what liberties we have left. We've got local liberals like Clay Jenkins running amok throughout the state, making policy. And we've got people like Greg Abbott just sitting there and letting it happen, not doing anything about it. And I, I think there's going to be a big price to pay. From an economic standpoint, from a political standpoint, we are sailing down this you know, body of water right now, and I have no idea where we're going to end up. And from a safety standpoint. I, I yeah. mean, I think we have to point to that, too, is by the end of this, we very well could have more deaths 
related to the lockdown than the COVID disease in the begin. I mean, in the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have people who are not seeking medical care for cancer, for heart disease, um, and and the amount of people who die every month from those are. I think cancer. We have two hundred thousand new cancers diagnosed every month. Um, it only takes a small change in those numbers. Heart attack, heart attack, or heart disease, the number one cause of death. Small changes can easily eclipse uh, COVID deaths. Oh, and you have people staying home. I work for an ER. Um, we we had the lockdowns. Our patients per day went to about thirty percent of what they normally are. Um, and suddenly the chest pain patients disappeared. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still there. They're just not coming not in help. and not getting help. Were you surprised, Matt, that in none of the governor's statements or any other of these officials that stood up, none of them ever even recognized? Because they see those stats too, right? I mean, why do you think none of them ever said, hey, if you have chest pain or stomach pain that could be appendicitis, that also kills people, please go seek treatment. Why singularly stay focused on coronavirus? I think once, okay, so they relied on these projections from people like Neil Ferguson, who is, is a, a, has been an alarmist the past 20 years. I think he predicted 2 million people in the United States would die of SARS or uh, H1N1, I forgot which one it was. Um, he predicted 150,000 people in England would die of, of uh mad cow disease. And then when that didn't happen, he warned of mad sheep disease. Or, or I, I, Every disease the epidemiologists overpredict, as Dr. Fauci admits. So I don't think there's a basis for doing this. I think they acted rashly. Um, I think a two-week you know, lockdown was probably supportable. But after that, the reasons changed. Right. It wasn't, we don't know if our system's going to be overwhelmed, our healthcare system. Then it became new goalposts, right? So everything, all of their actions were now to support the bad decision they've already made. And we Mm -hmm. saw this because in New York, it came out that there was this wave of cardiac deaths Mm -hmm. during the lockdown. And the twist on the article was, there must be some some heart issue that COVID's producing. Well, no, you're locking people in their freaking houses. That's what yeah. that's what's happening. Yeah, I talked to you know. You're right. When when this first was sold to the public, is we've got to do all these crazy things. It was we got to flatten the curve because we can't have the hospital system overwhelmed. We don't have enough ventilators. We got all this stuff. I have family members who work at these hospitals. One of them has been sent on a mandatory paid vacation, okay, because they don't have enough work for them. The other one is working in a COVID unit, okay, and the truth is is that most of the hospitals in the state of Texas right now are on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. Literally. And in New York State, there are some in the verge of bankruptcy as well, which was hardest hit. But there's a common theme, (laughs) in my opinion, of the people who want to continue and push this out and keep Texas locked down and putting people in jail for cutting hair and all this crazy stuff that's going on is they seem to be okay. The leftists seem to be okay with this being the new norm. Because what we have right now is we have millions of Texans who are essentially government workers right now because they're on unemployment. Yep. They are becoming more and more dependent on the government. And now that we are starting to see some talks of relaxing some of these restrictions so business can open up, the business owners that I've talked to in my district are saying no one wants to come back to work. They're making more money by doing nothing. And we are teaching people some really bad habits right now. 
yeah. that I don't know what this is going to look like in 12 months. Well, I think that's why they like it. Some people would say, well, I, I, they don't want Trump to be reelected. I, I think this is a lot bigger than that. Yeah. I think they see uh, socialism being implemented uh, and people becoming more and more dependent on government for everything because yeah. we've taken away their livelihoods. I mean, this is, this is I think they see a quiet revolution here yeah. uh, occurring or at least in their whatever ideal they have in their heads. Um, and, and I think that's what's going on. And we've got Greg Abbott, the governor, the most powerful person in the state of Texas, going along with it. Yeah. Well, you've got a bunch of politicians that are more worried about themselves and their political futures and are reacting to polls. And that works when there isn't a crisis. When there is a crisis, I mean, you know, Greg Abbott can look at polls all day long. But you know what? If, if you're a father and your house is on fire, you don't really pull the family during the, the fire as to how you should exit. You come up with a plan and you bring everybody along and you figure out whether or not it, it pulls well after. You do that, <laughs> but you also remember the fact that you took an oath mm -hmm. to defend the Constitution. And I will tell you what, some of the stuff that's going on from just a legal standpoint, maybe you could talk more about that. But we have the governor literally making laws himself right now. Yeah which is the job of the legislature, or it's supposed to be. But I haven't been called back into a special session to work on any of this. We have a massive expansion of uh, government power going on. We see county judges pushing the limit. We see uh, individual judges coming down and, and trying to reinterpret the law and you know, tell the poor lady, you apologize for being selfish or you're going to jail for seven days. Yeah. What is going on here? Well, the legislature, so the legislature allows, an, under Chapter 418, allows the governor to declare an emergency, and his executive orders during the emergency have the force of law. Um, one thing I would be worried about if I was the legislature is we, did, we declared the state of emergency before the emergency based on projections that there yeah. would be an emergency. I mean, you can come up with projections of death for firearms, for, for any number of things. Um, climate change for, for anything. And we did it based on that. One of the biggest issues, though, is the Constitution, as the Texas Supreme Court said this week, the Constitution isn't suspended in times of crisis or during state of emergencies. Um, so when we have rights being implicated here, uh, either the right to free speech or you know, people trying to make a living or, or speaking out, um, you know, the government should... The government has the burden to prove to us why those measures are necessary mm. and will will serve their intended purpose and are narrowly tailored towards serving mm -hmm. that purpose. But I haven't seen any, Greg Abbott hasn't said why he had closed salons until tomorrow. Yeah. Um, why? Where, where, do we have a single documented case taking place inside a salon? Mm -hmm. Do we have a documented case taking place on the beach or on a playground? Yeah. You um, can get your pet groomed, but you better not go get a haircut. No, I mean, you can walk into a Walmart, which, you know, is. Dennis Bodden's worst nightmare. Yeah, Dennis Bodden's worst that. nightmare. <laughs> yeah, just... But meanwhile, you have 40% of deaths taking place in nursing homes. You have. Um, studies from China showing that a majority of the cases took place in large groups indoors and on public transportation and in the home. So, okay, address public transportation, address large groups, um, mm. and let's lock down nursing homes. Can you imagine if we spent all the resources we spent dealing with all this hairdresser crap, trying to lock down nursing homes, mm -hmm. testing the people who work in nursing homes? Yeah. 
to make sure that yeah. no, no virus got in those nursing homes. Yeah. Let's all coalesce. We could reduce the deaths by half mm-hmm. if we just protected our most vulnerable. Yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, and I voted for him every single time, but Governor Greg Abbott's been a huge disappointment to me. Because we've got all these patchworks, we've got all these little mini kingdoms going on. You know, some of the I saw orders from some county judges who said you cannot go to a place of worship, like specifically, you cannot go to church, you cannot have church service and stuff like this. Well, you know, what if you attend church? Is it for the church that where you live can't open? But what if I go to a church in a different county? I mean, we've got all these different things going on here, and over here I've got to wear a mask. Over here I can't go to church. Over here I can't do this and that. We needed leadership from Abbott that we frankly did not get. And the thing that's been frustrating to me is is that, you know, I've read everything that has come out of his office. And I've been on conference calls hearing updates from all of this, you know, stuff from the very, very beginning. And the one thing that's been clear to me all this way is that he seems much more willing to wait and let other people make decisions as long as he's the guy that isn't responsible for it if it goes bad. I mean, you know, we're creating all these task force, for instance. And rather than him decide, even though he's the one that came out with the order that said they can't be open, he's now going to pass the buck off to a private citizen who is now apparently going to be in charge of implementing all of this stuff. It's ridiculous. Well, we and, and i and I got to tell you, I, I think that... Um, you know, we had a huge election that's coming up in November. Whether Texas is going to be red or it's going to be blue has been in question. And we seem to have the head of our party right now who doesn't want to take responsibility. And he keeps trying to find ways to push it off on other people and let them move first. I think, I think there's going to be disastrous consequences because of it. Yeah, he's very hesitant. He doesn't make, make confident decisions. He reacts a lot. Now, I mean, if you had narrowly tailored an order from the beginning, right, towards, you know, let's say, and if you had respected people's rights from the beginning, I think you would have a lot less opposition to some of the things now that actually do make sense. Like, you see people refusing to wear masks or, or rebelling against mask orders. I think you would have a lot less of that if the governor was more respectful of people's rights in other areas. If he said, listen, all the other states are closing down, we don't think that's the way to go. But we're going to ask that you wear a mask when you go indoors uh, in some of these places. And, you know, I, I, and we're going to lock down nursing homes and we're going to uh, take, take public transportation would be either closed or limited and social distancing. And we're going to implement these things. But we're going to leave Texas open when everybody else is. Uh, I think people would be more apt to follow that lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it almost becomes a source of oppression, like a symbol of oppression where you're wearing a mask. Oh, you're listening to the government. Um, you know, and it's a shame, but I think it's the way that, that we've gone about this that's produced that. Mm-hmm. There, uh, Matt, I know you've talked about a lot of the uh, miscommunication between even what the governor communicates and then what he actually puts in his executive order, right? Because there still is a lot of miscommunication when it comes to this business is not allowed to be in business, but my executive order says people aren't allowed to go into the business. They don't say, and it doesn't say if people should be ticketed, which goes to the reaction that Jonathan talked about when it comes to personal responsibility. It actually 
gives you the ability to shirk responsibility because then when Dallas <laughs> throws somebody in jail, you go, I didn't say to do that. Actually, you literally told that person. How they outrageous that you enforced the order that, that I gave. I gave. And then you, so... <laughs> Uh, ridiculous so what are some of the <laughs> even around the restaurants and stuff you were telling me about when this 25 percent and 50 percent capacity it's not even clear what happens to a restaurant if you're over 50 percent if you're under 50 percent if the well, 51st person is the one who so, gets kicked out so from the first order was was uh, governor abbott issued the first order which seemed to be reasonable it basically didn't seem to ban anything it said you should minimize contact with others yeah except when you're doing these essential activities or yep. essential business or patronizing essential businesses. It's like, oh, okay, well, that, that seems reasonable. Then Greg Abbott comes in public and says, we shut these businesses down. Well, you what? That's not what it says, but that's what you're telling everybody. So yep. I, I talked to one state representative who th the city council is like, we're, sh we're shutting down golf courses. Yeah. But the governor's order doesn't prevent golf courses from operating. They're like, but he said... Yeah. So they didn't know. I, I've talked to a daycare owner in my my district that uh, that they closed because they were confused. They're like, well, we didn't think we were closed by the order. Clay Jenkins let the daycares operate in his order. The governor's order was so confusing that they shut down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And then this new order comes out. Right. And they said it shuts down salons and Shelley Luther gets arrested. Actually, if you read it, it doesn't compel salons to close. It actually bans people from Entry. patronizing the salon. Yeah, going <laughs> You're not allowed to go in. Yeah, so if you we're go open, to it. but we're not doing any business. If you go to a business with over 25% occupancy, you're breaking the law. Yes. Not necessarily the, the business. Is that you interpret it right now? Well, that's the way it was worded. I mean, obviously, yeah. you can have an argument that if the business owner is operating above capacity, they're participating in it. Or, yeah. But but the way it's worded is it's it's you're not allowed to visit the business. I think that's why Mark Keogh, uh, Montgomery County judge, uh, said it was unclear. So I'm going to let these businesses let them open. open. To which Ken Paxton is, am I right to say, did Paxton tell him that he was wrong? Did he disagree with Keogh at that point? I don't remember. I don't remember if between the them? attorney general did, but I think the, the governor said he was misinterpreting his orders. Got well, it. Write, write a clearer order. Yeah. And, and, and I know why he did it, too, by the way. I mean, the reason why he did it is because he's, he's exceeding his authority under 418. Yes. And he's trying to, in his, I don't know if he is doing it or whoever drafted it in his office is trying to be cutesy about it. Because it allows you, it allows the governor to direct the movement of people, right? Ah. So you can't visit a business. Yes. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't allow you to micromanage how that business operates, Got right? Yep. You can control the occupancy of buildings. You control the movement of people. So they're very careful in controlling the movement of people into those businesses. Right? Got it. This, create, this creates a big problem going forward, too, especially if Texas does turn blue. You've got a governor right now that we are learning through all of this can you know, by himself declare a state of emergency and then go and implement all these things. And you've got legislators like myself sitting on the sidelines. I've got people calling me and saying, John, what do we do about this? I've got business owners calling saying, can we open? What's the deal? Should I be mad at the city council, the county, the governor? What's going on? I don't have any answers for them right now. Right now, we've got a king in the state of Texas. Is that fair? Yeah, nobody knows what the law is. We can't stop him from declaring an emergency. No. Okay. So theoretically... You could have a Democrat governor, now based on the precedent that Abbott has set, come in behind at some point, declare an environmental emergency or whatever else, 
and then basically control the movement of people and do all kinds of crazy things like with suspend CBA. regulations. Yep. Don't forget. Don't forget. Governor Abbott also set the precedent by suspending um, suspending the plumbing board sunset. That's right. Based on the Harvey disaster declaration two years prior. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, effectively, we, we, we have a king. We've set the precedent. Do we for even Democrat need a numbers. legislature anymore? <laughs> uh, uh, Not oh, if you can find an emergency or a projected emergency. Projected emergency. Projected emergency. Yeah, projected emergency. So the, the precedent gets set. Now, the, the interesting thing is, I don't think that will keep Republicans from crying wolf or you know crying foul when Democrats do, in fact, enact. If they were in control and they did enact those powers, you would see Republicans united against that, right? And, and they would probably call it authoritarian, and they'd probably call it unprecedented yeah. and unconstitutional and defying the rights. So what should Republicans be doing now when it's our own people basically taking the same steps just for a slightly different reason than Democrats would maybe do for, uh, you know, in the future? I mean, I... I think they need to be loud and speak out against it. I, I think there's been some surprising voices from the legislature that have been very loud. Mm -hmm. um, starting to be loud. Yeah. Starting, But I mean, you, you know, we're, we're always loud yeah. about everything. Yeah. So it doesn't have the same effect yep. as when Mike Lang is, is, is you know, very clear. Yep. He's um, done a great job. And, and we're he's hearing done a from great people job. that we've never really, you know, questioning Abbott and some of his moves. Greg Abbott's always been this guy. Uh, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever questioned him before, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. His approval rating is through the roof. That's not what I'm seeing anymore. I'm seeing a lot of people like myself who once supported the guy who feel like now we've seen the true colors. I also feel like there's a ton of new people that are involved. You know, we kind of had this Tea Party conservative wave that started 10 years ago that I think we all kind of came in on. But I look around right now, and some of the people that are leading the charge and questioning government right now, we've never seen before. Shelley Luther, for instance, who has now raised half a million dollars in 24 hours and you know gotten national attention and the talking points on Fox News and everything else, has never voted in a Republican primary. Yeah. We don't know who she is. And we've got a it's lot of these... Getting excited. There's some spittle. We have all these new people, and we have got to figure out how to keep them involved in this process. We need these folks who may have not been involved in politics yeah. before to start getting educated because I think we've learned through this more than anything else that if you don't get involved in government, it's going to get you involved regardless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think a lot of people are looking down. I mean... The, the idea that a mother can be prevented from working to support her family is something that I don't think we'd ever deal with in America or Texas. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really motivated a lot of people. Um, you know, you do polling and people are still in favor of the lockdown. They still have great trust in government. Um, I think the polling's like 60 percent even mm -hmm. among Republicans in favor of a continued lockdown. But I think people are under some very very uh, very unrealistic views with regards to the purpose of the lockdown and what we're going to be dealing with when we come out of it. Mm. I think once those realizations come to people, I think there's going to be an uprising. 
Um, I think people are assuming that if we just shut it down for six weeks, two months, that we're going to come out into a world with no, no coronavirus. Yep. Uh, and that just didn't going to happen. It's here. Yep. Uh, even the, the models that we based the shutdown on said, oh, it won't, it won't save any people's lives except to the extent that, that we save medical you care from over, being overwhelmed. Yeah, overwhelm the medical um, system. But the same amount of people are going to die. It's just going to be over a longer period so we don't overwhelm our health care system. Um, that's not what people are un- That's not the impression that people are under. Um, secondly, uh, I think people are under the impression that we can just you know, restart our economy like a lawnmower that stalls. Mm. Uh, that doesn't happen. Mm. I mean, it's going to take a long time for this economy to get back to normal it's gonna, years. It's going to take a long time, but there's something that's even more short term that's going to be a massive deal, and that's the Texas budget. Yep. I mean, we're looking at billions and billions of dollars of shortfall. Conservatives have been talking about for years. I, unfortunately, was the only person to vote against the last budget because I said it spent way too much money, and I wanted to protect. I didn't feel a need to spend all the money. And guess what? The money that they voted to spend last time is not going to be there to pay all these bills. Yeah. I mean, all the feel-good stuff. And that's probably something that the average Texan watching this doesn't know. But when, when, you know, Texas budgets for a two-year time period on what the comptroller says they're going to have. Right? So they say, we think you're going to have this much money based on how we think the economy is going to go. And then they spend it all. Yep. But they really don't know. They don't know. And I guarantee there was no one that projected the price of oil to be at negative $37 no, a it barrel. Was, it was projected at 55 to $60 yeah, right. a barrel and guess what? for two years. None of that math adds up anymore. Yep. And so all these politicians who thought they were being cute and trying to buy off different segments of the population and government workers with these pensions that don't make sense, all the stuff we've been talking about, it's now right here in our face. Yeah. And the truth is, is that... Um, We've decimated the rainy day fund. It's not as strong as it should be. And our state emergency fund can't save us this time. And let's not forget there the are going to be drastic budget cuts because we were not prudent in protecting and being fiscally conservative before. We are now going to have to look at drastically across the board cutting in the state of Texas or, as the Democrats want to do, raise new revenue and yeah. taxes. Income tax. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the rainy day fund, let's not forget that we swept a bunch of money off that because the rainy day fund was so flush, we hit the limit. That swept into general revenue, so we spent everything over that limit. All of it. Um, and I remember we had discussed in the Freedom Caucus, I brought up uh, increasing that limit because, you know, it ain't, it ain't enough for a rainy day, <laughs> and it certainly isn't now. You thought we would have learned something from the hurricane down in Houston and the cost of that. Yeah. And that that now looks like such small potatoes compared to what's coming down the pipeline. Um, we don't even know yet. So you've got civil liberties, safety, spending. Um, you know, I think another thing you got to point out is, you know, everybody's going to reach their limit at some point. You can see some people doing it now. And when the, you analyze cell phones from Stockholm versus New York City, you see people going out at the same pace. You know, the lockdown orders aren't really affecting it as much as, you know, people are getting antsy. Um, There's more to life than just avoiding death. Mm. You know, there's, you know, going to a ball game with your dad, watching your kid play at a playground, taking your wife out to dinner. Um, There's just more to life than that. And as people reach their limit um, mentally, I, I think you're going to see 
you know, a lot of resistance against these orders increase. I agree. I agree. Yesterday we celebrated my daughter's 11th birthday and it was very exciting for us. And we went to my parents' house. Um, that was the most, one of the most exciting things that's happened in the last couple of months. Um, but you're right. Everybody does have their own breaking point. This has been a unusual, um, circumstances. I think a lot of people, I know we've looked at our own personal budget and cut out a bunch of fluff, um, trying to hold on to cash and talking about wanting to save more. And, you know, we already lived within our means, but a lot of new discussions, a lot of new discussions. And I think, um, one of the biggest ones is, is, you know, what kind of politicians do we want in charge for the next time this happens? Because, I think there's a lot of people questioning the ones we got in there right now. Politicians that won't do something as stupid as locking down an economy? Yeah, the entire economy. No, I mean, I, one of the things I was thinking of, I, I can't even fathom this. I, I can't get off of it. I can't get off how amazingly stupid this <clears> is, <throat> which is why we've never done it before. But, like, two years ago, my son was born, and it was in September of that really bad flu season that killed, like, sixty to 80,000 people, mm-hmm. right? And I remember it. Because it was, we ended up quarantining him for you six months. Yeah. Oh, terrified. Yeah. And we stayed home and he stayed home. Yeah. His grandparents didn't even see him. Uh, I think Stickland was like the first non-family member <laughs> to see him in April. Um, but yeah, we completely quarantined. If I had said, well, I think everybody else in society should quarantine as well because, you know, I'm just really worried about this. People would look at me like I was a freaking lunatic and then yeah. rightfully yeah. so. I mean, it, it would have been selfish of me to do that. I can't control other people's lives, but I can control my own and I can keep keep my son and myself safe, you know, during a bad flu season. This is just, I, there's something else to it because it just boggles the mind mm. as to how ridiculous that that concept is yeah um and that's why we've never done it before we've got a sickness in politics where the politicians are convinced they know how to run our lives better than we can or 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 they focus myopically on one aspect of a problem like they did with this by saying oh greg abbott would say i'm do i'll do whatever the doctors say well the doctors are focused on the on the health risks from the particular epidemic that we're in they're not focused in other health risks that you might be looking at. They're not focused on how suicides will increase based on an increase in in unemployment, uh, what's going to happen to our economy, how that will affect people's health, mental health, uh, other things, family relationships, child abuse. Food supply. Food supply. Amazingly, that's why we elect people um, to take into account all of these things. And, And by the way, it isn't to take into account all of these things and micromanage it. It's like we were in government, right? And that's the whole basis for limited government philosophy is no human being can take into account all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to let people be free to do it for themselves. Yeah. So y'all are not arguing that either one of you at the head would be able to micromanage the whole state through this crisis better. You're saying if a couple of these people at the very top think that they're the ones who are going to navigate an entire state through that crisis they're going to have massive unintended consequences. Oh, I, I, I absolutely think I could manage the state better <laughs> through this crisis. I don't think I can do it by micromanaging yeah. to the extent that, that they yeah. have. I, you pointed out something earlier, Matt, when you talked about the fact that it's much easier to be driven by just kind of the polls and generally what people find acceptable in good times. Mm-hmm. But it's in times of crisis that you really need a decisive leader who understands... Yeah, and and uh, Mike Lang pointed that out with Greg Abbott earlier when he just was communicating his frustration with, 
you're, you pass this executive order, then you change this way, then you change it, then you go back and retroactively say that as of April 2nd, none of what I said people couldn't do, they could be punished for not doing. And, you know, he's going, this is very confusing. Can we please just slow the reins down a little bit, realize that maybe we overstepped our boundaries? And, um, and then uh, in September, when y'all were communicating your frustration on guns and the session and the spending, a lot of it, a lot of the frustration that y'all communicated during our last conversation was about what Republicans didn't do, right? Uh, these other states are passing pro-life bills. We're not. These other states are protecting the Second Amendment. We're not. These other states are doing X, Y, and Z. We're not. And today, your conversation's been around what Republicans are actively doing to threaten the liberty of Texans. And I do think that that is definitely a shift from the last six months yes. that's happened. Well, generally, people have been... Republicans in office, no matter how bad they've been, have generally met my minimum threshold for voting for a candidate, and that is don't put my family under house arrest for a month. Uh, and that's kind of been broken down now. So now we're in new territory. It's a whole new, whole new ball, whole game. New ball a whole game. new ball game. Yep. Thank you guys for coming and uh, sitting down and talking. Yep, and, thank you. Uh, I know we're about... I'm going to go back into quarantine now? Uh, Y'all may. Y'all may. Well, now, now we gotta we got to isolate for 14 days. Yeah. yeah. And Matt's pretty, I coughed earlier, so Matt's pretty You always nervous. freaking cough. You, you, cough you have more much. mucus than any human being. You're going to have a lot less friends in the new world. It's a bad situation. It's bad. <laughs> Every time Oak shows up, I go, I can't go to H-E-B. I can't go to H-E-B. People are going to think I'm killing them. It's a bad deal. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, um, I hope those of you who were able to listen to this conversation learned a little bit. And also, hopefully... Um, uh, related to the frustration that Matt and Jonathan and I have, not only the frustration, the concern, the fear, um, also a sobering understanding that there are many Republican leaders in Texas that have no idea what type of precedent they're setting, or they know what type of precedent they're setting, and they just don't care because they are the ones that are holding the power. And they trust government too much so they've now entrusted government with a tremendous amount of power over citizens, regardless of who holds these different offices that they now hold. Um, it's a concern. Thank you for listening. Please share it with your friends. If you want to further engage with the content we're putting out, just subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, put your email in at lukemacias.com. We will make sure you get the uh, podcast on a weekly basis. We want to share these conversations with you so that you can further be informed and in how to engage in the battle for the future of Texas. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit LukeMessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Messias Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.